I'm Rico Galliano. And I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. And this is the best of the Dinner Party Download 2009. Shoot off the party Woo-hoo! poppers and pour the champagne. <laughs> we have put together our favorite segments from the year, but uh, first up is our icebreaker joke. And unfortunately, it's not about a talking sausage. And it's not about light bulbs and Dr. Freud. Or a ventriloquist hamster. These were all jokes we liked. But no, this was the one that you, dear listeners, said was your favorite. And it comes from songwriter and geek bard, Jonathan Colton. Okay, here's your joke. Sam Clam and Larry, Larry Lobster are good friends. Larry Lobster dies. He ascends to heaven. He is given a harp and a pair of wings and a halo because, of course, he is an angel now. And he says to St. Peter, look, I have a very good friend. We were just in the process of opening a new undersea disco, and it was going to be great, and it's opening night. I would love if I could just go back down for one more night. And St. Peter says, yes, I will allow it, but you cannot lose any of these angel things, the halo and the harp and the wings. Do not misplace them. There is a blinding flash of light. He is alive again. There is a tearful reunion with his friend Sam the Clam. They open the disco. Larry Lobster ascends to heaven again. St. Peter says, now, do you have your wings? And Larry Lobster says, yes. Do you have your halo? And Larry Lobster says, yes. Do you have your harp? And Larry Lobster's like, oh no, I left my harp in Sam Clam's disco. Your favorite joke of the year, folks. Don't blame us. Uh, Coming up on the show, we're going to hear about LSD. We're going to hear from a Motown legend. And we're going to hear about eating butter. It's just like a regular Friday night in my house. But first, let's do some small talk. Now, 2009 was the year, the international year of natural fiber, Rico. Was all... Something I was painfully aware of each something, and every day. Something our old universe needs more of as it gets older. And uh, it was also the International Year of Astronomy. Really? Yeah. Carl no. Sagan is looking down on us from the galaxies and being very happy about that. <laughs> That's right. And it was the ninth year of the third millennium. What does that mean? I don't know. I think it was going to be the name of Michael Jackson's new album, but he too <laughs> left us this year. Uh, but in this segment, of course, we ask the folks at Marketplace to tell us stories you haven't heard. These were our favorite of those under-the-radar tales from 2009. What story are you going to be talking about at your dinner party this weekend? Charles Dickens' Toothpick has just sold at auction in New York for $9,150. The 2009 Toy Fair unveiled the Bernie Madoff doll. It's called the Smash Me Bernie doll. It comes with a golden hammer, and you can actually smash the doll. Well, I like the story about Whole Foods staff having this training program for shoppers so they can teach you how to shop cheaply. So I guess the first tip they'd give is to leave Whole Foods immediately. I'm going to give you a California story. It is from San Joaquin County, The sheriff's department has bought a vehicle that weighs so much that it's illegal in California to drive. (laughs) So somewhere in San Joaquin County, this uh, vehicle is just driving in circles, trying to catch itself to give itself a ticket. (laughs) Well, there's a Japanese invention. They're producing suits that are coated with a chemical, usually found in toothpaste, that will protect you against swine flu. See, I've got a simpler swine flu suit. It's a neon lime green, and whenever I wear it, people just stay far away from me. A university in Liverpool is now offering a master's degree in Beatles music. What? And now I'm starting to rethink the master's degree that I actually did. You worked eight days a week for what? (laughs) Exactly. Well, now I know how to follow up my Metallica GED. (laughs) We know the Snuggie, the blanket with sleeves that people are wearing. They make it for dogs now. You are kidding me. No, 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 check it out. Now there's Snuggy Dog, the little blanket with sleeves designed to fit your dog. Stop it. 
<laughs> it's it's too much. And now, time for cocktails. This is the part of the show where we tell you something that happened in history, and then we give you a drink to serve along with it. But in this episode, we're going meta. We are going back in history to bring you our favorite history lesson of the past year. And if that sounds trippy, it's appropriate because this history, which aired back in April, uh, is about an event called Bicycle Day. Prepare your brain to hear the tale. On April 19, 1943, Dr. Albert Hoffman took a bike trip. Emphasis on trip. Hoffman was a chemist at a Swiss lab called Sandoz. Five years earlier, he'd come up with the compound LSD-25. He hoped it would help people with circulatory problems. But he tested it on animals, and all it seemed to do was make them, quote, restless. So he chucked it. In 1943, though, Hoffman suddenly decided to whip up another batch. He accidentally got some on his skin and got pleasantly dizzy. Interesting. A few days later, he conducted a controlled experiment on himself. He swallowed a quarter milligram of LSD, the smallest amount he thought could have any effect. Hoffman started feeling really weird, and things got weirder on the bike ride home. He pedaled like crazy, but the bike didn't seem to move. The world curved at the edges like a funhouse mirror. By the time he got home, he thought he was possessed by demons. But as the drug wore off, everything seemed beautiful. I myself and also, of course, the medical department realized immediately that was a very important agent which could be useful in psychiatry and in research. It didn't work out that way. The CIA tried using LSD for mind control experiments. Baby boomers started using it to make jam bands sound good. And by 1970, it was outlawed even for medical use. Looking back on his discovery, Hoffman called it his problem child. So that was the history lesson. Now it's time for the booze. I'm here on Hate Street in San Francisco, arguably the center of the acid revolution, at a bar called Alembic. Daniel Hyatt is the bar manager here. So Daniel, you've heard the history. What drink are you inspired to make? Well, I figured we needed a couple of things to work with. One, the original discovery of LSD was made from uh, fungus. And so I thought we're going to need to put a little fungus in there and we're going to need to put a little acid in there. What kind of fungus do you put in cocktails? Uh, we're going to use a little white truffle oil. And then we need some acid, so I'm going to use a little drop of white balsamic. So I see you're avoiding the brown acid. I'm avoiding the brown acid, yeah. We're going with the, we're going with the white stuff. <laughs> now, the fun part here is we're going to play with some color. We're going to get some Campari in there. And we're going to grab a little bit of cassis, a little absinthe. See, I was going to ask when the absinthe was going to come in here. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it seemed to be a natural fit. It was built for it. And we're going to try and get these to just layer real nice. All right, so we have the green absinthe on top of the black cassis and the red Campari. We've got a little psychedelic cocktail going just as it is. <laughs> I know, it is pretty far out. We're just going to pour in a little bit of, little bit of sparkling wine. So we're like expanding the mind of this cocktail. It's, it's, it's getting big. Give it a little flourish with a twist of lemon peel. All right, and it fizz when you drop that in there. That's delicious. Let me check it out. Man, that is really, really good. So what do you want to call it? Ah, uh, boy, let's just call it LSD 25, shall we? <laughs> How long has this bar been here? Uh, two and a half years. 
And how long have you had the uh, melting mirror mural? Yeah, it's we just I just put that in for you. <laughs> it's freaking me out. So Brendan, great cocktail. Um, but do you remember the day that you recorded that interview? I do, and it's a miracle that I do, because uh, that day was April 20th, which is 4.20. Right. I started the interview around 4 o'clock, and it ended around 4.20. P.M. And the bar was on the Upper Haight, and for those not in the know, 4.20, 4.20, Upper Haight, they're all synonymous with marijuana use. Yeah, smoking. <laughs> A lot <laughs> at that exact moment. Yeah, and I happened to, and the bar happened to be next to a theater which was showing The Big Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> so I stepped out into a sea of marijuana smoking people. And the contact high is just beginning to wear off. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you subtract 280 from 420, uh, you will get the number of characters we're allowed in a Twitter tweet. And if you're able to do that, you weren't there. Follow us at Dinner Party DNLD. So after cocktails comes our guest of honor segment. And we've had some great guests of honor this year. Everyone from Billy Bragg to... One of my heroes. To uh, best-selling author Alain de Botton. One of um, the people I read. (laughs) And also one of my new heroes, Josie Long, a British comedian who I really uh, fell in love with this year. I loved her. Not literally. Terry Gilliam last week was a a joy to do. But I think both you and I had a favorite interview, which was Motown legend Lamont Dozier when you spoke with him earlier. And if you have not heard of this guy, just uh, go to your record collection and look at any Motown record because uh, his name will be in the songwriting credits. Along with the Holland Brothers, he wrote an amazing number of classic songs. I started off by asking him one of our two standard questions. What question are you always asked in interviews that you're kind of sick of being asked? God, uh, what is my favorite song? (laughs) When you got uh, some 78 top 10s and 54 or 5 of those are number ones, you know, think for a minute. How could you pick out of what would be your favorite song? Well, how about we narrow it down for you? Is there a song that you wrote and you're like, this is for sure going to be yet another in my long string of number one hits, <laughs> and it, it didn't go anywhere? <laughs> what was it? Oh, yeah. It was, and it's still a great feeling. Uh, I'm in a different world. It was done by the Four Tops. That thing still haunts me today. You know, one I can't figure out why people didn't connect, but it was so catchy. Yeah. I'm in a different world. Da 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 da. It was like really infectious. I, I just couldn't believe why it wasn't. It, I'm almost on the verge of crying when I think about it now. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but anyway, it still went to, I think it was about 11 or 12 on the charts. A lot of people this say is, that. I don't feel bad for you all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, right. right. All right, so the second question that we ask of everybody on this show is, tell us something we don't know, something that no one at our dinner party is going to know. A lot of people don't know that I started out being a, I used to sell love letters 
This is how I got my chops in writing lyrics and things. Selling love letters in junior high. They used to call me the candy man. These are to other students? Yeah, the guys, when they had trouble with their girlfriends, and they'd run to the candy man, and the candy man (laughs) would write them some stuff. A dollar a letter, two dollars for a phone call, now to disguise my voice and talk to the girl for You were like the Cyrano de Bergerac of your junior high. Maybe a little different. (laughs) Your nose is quite normal. Yeah. I think I just figured out my New Year's resolution. And which is? I'm, I'm going to dozerify myself. Man, that guy is so <laughs> cool. What is up? When I'm a rock legend, I want to be just like Lamont Dozier. That's, is that your resolution? That is. Actually, it's to write a hit record, then do it 78 more times, and then be as cool as Lamont Dozier. Let me know how that works out. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you can learn more about the man. We have an extended version of our interview with Lamont at dinnerpartydownload.com. And that brings us to the main course, the part of the show where we talk about food. I know this food segment is the gift that keeps on giving them. Free food every other week. Just for pretending to be reporters. And this year, I think, was the year of the non-storant, which were, you know, venues that sold interesting foods, non-traditional venues, not at restaurants. Like trucks. Trucks or people in little igloo coolers and parks. We had escargot on a stick. We had Korean barbecue. The Kogi Korean barbecue truck was a big deal this year. Brendan ate some of that. But interestingly, the story that both of us decided was our favorite was the one where you talked about something truly disgusting. Deep fried butter. Deep fried butter was sold this year at the Texas State Fair. Brendan talked to the inventor. For people who haven't had the opportunity to eat deep fried butter, which are most people that are still alive, could you tell (laughs) us uh, how you make it and what it is? We actually take 100% pure butter and mm-hmm. if you want, we can flavor that butter for you in cherry, grape, or garlic flavor. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll wrap it around a, a specially made dough and then drop that into the fryer. It's not like a whole stick. It's like a good, healthy tab of butter. Oh, okay, yeah. It's just like yeah. a little golf ball. Exactly. And so tell us about the eating experience. What is it like to gnaw on one of these? Yeah, it's kind of fun because it's kind of small, but people are hesitant, so they want to bite into it. And when they bite into it, butter just sort of jets out of the the product. And I keep telling people, yeah, just (laughs) pop it into your mouth and eat the whole thing. Can you tell us um, about some of the other entries you've had? Oh, yeah. Fried cookie dough, fried peanut butter, jelly, and banana sandwich. That sounds almost healthy in context. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when you compare it to fried butter. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, the other crazy item we had was uh, fried Coca-Cola. Fried Coca-Cola. Now explain this to me. Think of a donut hole that just tastes like Coke. I mean, just you put it in your mouth and it tastes like Coca-Cola. So are you a chef, Abel? I'm not a chef. I consider myself a, an inventive cook. I just really only do the state fair, uh, and I, I kind of kick back the rest of the year. So when you're not thinking of ways to kill people, you are just re- relaxing and hanging out in Texas. <laughs> Pretty much. Me and my dog, Scout. So earlier this week, you won an award at the Texas State Fair for the most creative entry into their food competition. And forgive me, but deep fried butter seems <laughs> like a lot of things, but creative? The ideas usually are not very complicated. It's getting the idea. Think of a paper clip or a pair of scissors. It's There's nothing to it, but without it, where would we be? Speaking of scissors, is that what you do for exercise? Do you run with scissors? Like, do you just have this whole, like, latent death wish? <laughs> 
I cannot stress enough. I do eat my salad every once in a while. Well, thanks for talking to us before you die. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm hoping I still have a few years. I love that interview, and uh, it actually reminds me that Dr. Kevorkian is going to be opening a restaurant of his own this year, and uh, you're on assignment. <laughs> is it a non-starant? <laughs> it's, it's a non-extant. And that's the Dinner Party download for this year. If you're a social networker, you can find us at facebook.com slash dinnerpartydownload. And we've got lots and lots of people to thank this year. Eve Tro, Christiania Clark, Delassi Michelis, John Raby, Queena Kim, Michelle Philippi, Jessica Dial, Nihar Patel, Kevin Ferguson, Eric Johnson, Stacey Vanek-Smith, Peter Clowney, Judy McAlpin, J.J. Yor, Deb Clark. Our parents. Our parents. Uh, the staff at Marketplace. That's basically all our listeners, right? That's uh, about half of them. Okay. And uh, and also, we must thank you, dear listeners. Also, we'd like to bid a fond farewell to our former home, KPCC-FM in Los Angeles. We're still going to be broadcast on KPCC, but... We have moved into the welcoming embrace of American public media. That's right, which means we can now park our tandem bike next to Garrison Keillor. And, he, and he's not legally allowed to punch us in the face about it. And he rides his tandem bike with Kai Ristall, which is really weird. But fun to watch. We leave you, as is our custom, with a little music. Brendan, what is your song of the year? Well, this is an excruciating choice for us. We've had so much great music on the show this year. That's right. And there were a few songs released this year, you may have noticed. There were one or two. One or two I was billion. Well, only about a billion that counted, though. That's and, true. And uh, I was geeking out to um, Animal Collective, My Girls, for the first half of the year. But my favorite album of the year was by the band Girls from San Francisco. Who you insisted that I interview back in March when I really hadn't heard of them at all. And I'm really glad you did. Thanks, man. And I want to lead, tip you off to another band. Um, they're called I Told You So. Oh. And they just released a new album right now. That's great. It doesn't sound like that's <laughs> it's very good. Here's girls with lust for life. Oh, I wish I had a boyfriend. I wish I had a loving man in my life. I wish I had a father. Maybe then I would have turned out right. But maybe if I really tried with all of my heart, then I could make a friend who start in love with you. Man, if only we had the intellectual property rights and we could play the whole thing. But strangely, we do have the intellectual property rights for my favorite song oh, of the surprise. year. Oh, surprise. Yes, which is another uh, somebody that you got me into. Benji Faree, we interviewed him on the show. An incredibly cool guy. He's hails from Maryland, and he should be as big as Freddie Mercury. And he kind of sounds <laughs> like him a little bit, too. Uh, this is from his album, Come Back to the Five and Dime, Bobby D, Bobby D. This is a song called Fear. Bon appétit.
Galliano. And I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. Hey, who is this? It's pretty good. I told you so.